Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Praise God. Let's pray. Let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and we're receiving wisdom from you today. Direction, guidance, understanding in our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Okay, so I, I want to, in the, in the next couple of um, meetings, a couple of Bible study and Sunday services, to begin to get you ready for the year ahead. And so, uh, as opposed to doing series, every day I'm going to come up with something I feel can help you to get ready. I am of the opinion that a child of God uh, cannot just wait till the 31st night to get into a new year. Before, you should be intentional, you should plan, you should begin to seek the face of the Lord on how the year is going to look like and begin to get yourself ready so you can receive the things that God has planned for you. And I've said it times uh, without number here that when we talk about a new year, for instance, we are using the Roman calendar. That's what we're using. So we're going to be in a new year by January 1st. in Ethiopia, they are not using the Roman calendar. They're using the Coptic Christian calendar. So they have had their new year. Uh, I think last month or two months ago, a couple of, I think two months ago, the Chinese people had their new year. The Chinese calendar had their new year. Uh, the Jewish people at about September uh, had their new year. So what I'm trying to say is Uh, For the purpose of understanding days and time, we have January 1st, right? So we can all decide one day that January 1st is not the new year, and God will not be angry. Is that okay? Because the calendar we're using was designed by man. It's not a creation of God. So... You shouldn't put yourself under unnecessary pressure or under a bondage of a new or an old year. Right? But what it just helps us to do is that it helps us to plan. It helps us to demarcate. And for some of us, it helps us to be able to mark our age. Now, if your grandfather were to, you know, like our parents, like some of our great-grandparents, we, we actually formed their age for them because of the things they told us. So if they told us about the Civil War, and they told us, you know, if they were small children about the Civil War, we tried to calculate and we say, oh, well, they were 90 years old. So if your parent got up and told you, oh, well, we actually made a mistake. You were not born in 1980. Something happened. We just realized you were born in 1979. Uh, <laughs> you, you go to the court and swear affidavit and add one more year to your years. You know, and all of a sudden the emotions of, oh, I'm getting old, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a small child anymore, will begin to come. But the truth of the matter is that it was that information that created that emotion. 
Are, are you following? And then if we just, if you know, your parents now got up again and said, ah, we actually made a mistake. You were born in 1999. <laughs> you know, so you, you just realize that with, with the age and timing thing and calendar thing, what I'm trying to say ultimately is that we are the ones in charge. We are the ones that dictate. So if you carry old habits into a new calendar year, you will still be experiencing an old year even though the calendar has changed. Okay? So what is more important in getting into a new year is not the date. You are the most important factor. If nothing changes in your life, nothing will change in the year. So it's not as if when the year starts, it brings things. No, the year doesn't bring things. You harvest in a year the seeds you have sown. So I'll repeat that. So somebody will go and say, well, this year did not bring me good things. No, no. It's not the year that brings. The year is just for us to make calculations. We are the ones that determine to a very large extent what happens in a year. Whatever Christ wants to do for us have been finished 2,000 years ago by grace. We lay hold on it by faith and by our practical preparation. Are we together? All right. Because sometimes you just have this notion that, well, next year things are going to change. If things are going to change next year, you would already have started putting things in motion this year for things to change. And sometimes that's where the frustration comes because I, I, I realize in talking with people that almost this time of the year, people go through anxiety and depression and hopelessness. Why am I like this? I'm going into a new year. And all of those emotions begins to affect them. I'm somebody who's never been... Uh, you no, know, I do all my evaluation and all that, but I'm never really carried away by the events in the year. All right, so you must uh, have that understanding as we begin to progress in the next couple of days to share some of these things. So I, I want to talk to you today about how associations affect your destiny. How associations affect your destiny. So I'm going, we're going to read a couple of scriptures, then I'll just we'll continue the conversation. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 30. If you've been in this ministry long enough, you'll know that this is one of my favorite verses. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20. He who works with wise men will be wise. But the companion of fools will be destroyed. He who works with wise men will be wise. But the companion of fools will be destroyed. Do we have the message translation? Okay, I'm not sure we've done those translations, right? In this verse of scripture, disaster and traps got sinners, but God's loyal people get a good life. God's loyal people get a good life. Let's get back to the uh, New King James. Take, a, take note of that word, God, God's loyal people. Why did he use that word, God's loyal people? 
Because the biblical definition of a fool is a man who says in his heart there is no God. So what happens is that a fool is a man who does not pay regard instructions of God. Praise God. Are you here? Say amen if you're here. Alright. Okay. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang, hang out with fools and watch your life fall into pieces. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall into pieces. Go back to the New King James. Two classes of people you find there. Number one, there are three people in that conversation. Three people in that conversation. Number one, the person being addressed. Number two, the wise. Number three, fools. So there are three people there. The one that is being addressed, the wise group of people, and fools. And what is being addressed here is that the outcome of the man who is being addressed, who we refer to as the he, the outcome of the man called he here is determined primarily by himself, by his, the, the choice of his association. So in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20, we find out very clearly that God has no role to play in the outcome of this person's life. But rather what God has done is to put in place the power of association. That the man can watch his life fall to pieces by choosing whom he associates with. Are we together? So ultimately, people's outcome in life is predominantly determined by their choice of associations. Also, what that means is that if I do not like the outcome of my life right now, I can trace that to my associations and then I can deliberately choose to change my associations in the year that I'm entering into. And what that means is that by making that decision, I can change the outcome of my life and have a better life just by choosing whom I associate with. Praise God. In Proverbs 13 verse 20, it tells us that the power of choice is with the individual. He chooses his company. And then the company determines the outcome of his life. So if I choose to walk with wise people, I will become wise. But if I choose to walk with fools, then I'll watch my life destroyed. Now, if my life is being destroyed, the tendency is for me to ask God, oh, why is this happening to me? But ultimately, it is not God's fault. It's the fault of my choices. The challenge is this. We make choices, but we want to hold God responsible for the outcome. A man chooses not to do the right thing, but then he wants to hold God responsible. How he wants God to rescue, to rescue him out of his bad choices. So one of the things we must learn as we begin to progress in our path to greatness and in our walk to greatness is to come to that place where we agree that we are responsible for the outcome of our choices and we do not blame God for what's happening in our life. Praise God. Can you say amen if you're here? Amen. All right. 
He who walks with wise men will be wise. And the companion of fools will be destroyed. Now, the word will shows that it's a predictable outcome. Alright, so this is not a case of, okay, well, I'm working with wise men, but it's like I'm foolish. No, it, it won't happen that way. If you walk with the wise, you will be wise. If you associate with a companion of fools, you will be destroyed. So this is a predictable outcome. You know, but the greatest challenge in our life is recognizing who is wise and who is a fool. Because even the fool thinks he's wise. That's a problem. So how do I know, or how can I judge, in fact, there's a message I'm going to teach, probably in January, I'm, I'm researching it now, 30 signs of foolishness, biblical signs of foolishness. I'm, I've been going through it, I've gotten 25, there are five more I'm still studying. You know, the Bible uses the word fool a lot. Uh, and it's something you need to pay attention to. Just go online, type, uh, go to your Bible dictionary, type fool, and pull out all those scriptures. And study them very carefully and make sure that you don't have any sign like that. Praise God. Are we still here? So he said, he who walks with the wise will be wise. With wise men will be wise. But the companion of fools will be destroyed. So this is a predictable outcome. So how do we, how do we, how do we discern who wise people or foolish people are? Sometimes it's as simple as looking at the outcome of our lives. What's going on in our life? What's happening? Is there progress? Are we making wise decisions? Is there productivity? Are we increasing in our fear of God? So if I look at the outcome of my life this year, I can be able to like, well, who have I been working with? Because your life will be the sum total of your relationships. And I'll tell you, this is one principle you must never play with in life. Don't ever think you're too strong to break this principle. You're not too strong. Just change your company. Praise God. Proverbs 12, verse 26. Am I right? Proverbs 12, 26. All right. The righteous... Should choose his friends carefully. Once more, we see the fact that God places the choice of your friends as your responsibility. That if a man is righteous, then he cannot just have everybody as his friends. That the fact that you are righteous means that the choice of your friends have to be carefully done. The righteous should choose his friends carefully. Praise God. The righteous should choose his friend carefully. For the way of the wicked leads them astray. The righteous should choose his friends carefully. So the choice of your friends is based on 
your personal discipline. Praise God. So God is not going to choose your friends for you. And the fact that you are righteous does not mean you can't be friends with everybody. Your righteousness is not an immunity for wrong association. Praise God. What did I say? Your righteousness is not an immunity to what? To wrong associations. So you can't say, well, because I'm righteous, I'm the light. No, you're not the light to, to, to deliberately go and dwell in darkness. Do you realize that when Jesus came to the earth, one of the first things he did was to choose his disciples? It wasn't the disciples that chose him. He chose his disciples. Praise God. He had to deliberately choose the people he would walk with. Praise God. So you must, the righteous, the righteous, the righteous, the righteous, should choose his friends carefully. So the fact that you are righteous does not mean everybody in town should be your friend. You love everybody, but everybody cannot be your friend. It's a commandment from God. The choice of your friends is your personal responsibility. Why? Because that's going to determine the outcome of your life. The fact that you grew up in the same compound doesn't mean they will be your friend. The fact that you went to the same old boys association doesn't mean they should be your friend. And you know, somehow in this part of the world, we are very emotional about relationships. So this man used to pass every day. If he's passing, why will I not be his friend? No, he can be passing every day. You should be careful. And why is the Bible telling us to be careful? Because our friends will determine the outcome of our life. Our associations will determine the things we get in life or the things that we don't have in life. And as I was studying this early on the day, I was just thinking about it. And looking at my own life. And looking at certain things that have happened in my life and certain things that have not happened in my life and all of that, and you will come to the summation that this principle is very true. And I dare if you evaluate your life, you will see that when you became friends with certain people, certain doors opened. And sometimes when you became friends with other people, certain other doors opened. And you know that the fact that every, a door is open doesn't mean that open door is from God. Because for the way of the wicked leads them astray. It will lead them in another path. You see, your friends can lead you out of the will of God for your life. Your friends can lead you out of God's will for your life. Your friends can lead you from a place of fulfilling destiny. <laughs> I was reading something today and it made me laugh. One, 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 one man said, he said, what we call tradition, tradition is peer pressure from our ancestors. <laughs> and you're so brilliant you know since when your ancestors are giving you peer pressure that's what you call tradition you see something that can be clearly done this way they say tradition says we should do it this way and yet the people who want to fulfill tradition don't have money to fulfill tradition well let's leave all that so the righteous should choose his friends carefully so you have to carefully make a choice 
of who your friends would be. You have to be careful about it. You cannot be emotional if you want to maximize your life. If you want to come to the fullness of the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Because you can either just exist in life or you can be fruitful. You can just be living. So the choice of our friend, friends plus S, is critical. Our associations affect our destiny. As we go into another year, it's another opportunity to evaluate our associations, to evaluate our friendships, to evaluate the people we give our time, our ears, and the people who give us their ears. And this is going to form a great part of the manifestations of the things we're going to receive in the year that is to come. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? Say amen if you're here. Okay, Genesis chapter 13 and verse 14. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Genesis chapter 13 and verse 14. You know the story. How Abraham, you know, Lord God called Abraham and uh, planned to make him the father of many nations or made him the father of many nations. But God did not call Lord, so Lord went with him. And after a while, uh, the headsmen of Lot and the headsmen of Abraham began to quarrel, and there was strife in that relationship. And I like what Abraham said. Abraham said, we are brothers, and there is no need for there to be strife. Verse 8. So Abraham said to Lot, please, let there be no strife between you and me, and between my headsmen and your headsmen, for we are brethren. Now, one of the things you realize is that when strife gets into a relationship, it begins to open a door for the enemy to destroy. And so what happened was Abraham said, come on, guys, there is no need to be strife. But this is what I want to explain to you. Listen very carefully and don't miss this. You need to listen to this very carefully. Number one, God did not call Lot. Lot had no part in that agenda. Lot chose, or rather Abraham chose Lot to go with him. And because Lot went with Abraham, he got blessed. You know what was happening? The first two proverbs we read, the principle of association. Now see what happened. Go to verse 14. No, 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 no. So, verse 10. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards her. So, so, so verse, verse, verse 11. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and separated from each other. Now, if Lot was a wise man, God didn't call you. You started hanging out with this guy and you got blessed. Now, you didn't have any personal quarrel with this man. It was your headsman that had quarrel with his headsman. If Lot was a wise man, he would sack all those headmen and stick with Abraham. I'm counseling uh, uh, someone, uh, a pastor was asking me some questions regarding ministry and I was sharing certain principles with him. And I told him very simply, I said, when you work for a big ministry, a ministry that is known, 
right, and you go anywhere to plant a church, the church grows quickly. You know why? People are associating you with that man. So the, the respect they have for that man is the respect they have for you. But when you go out on your own to start a church, you have to build your own credibility and people have to trust you and all that. So somehow, you know, the growth, he's worked in a very large ministry before I had a large church and he just started on his own. That's what was going on here. He was blessed because he was with Lot, with Abraham. Lot was with Abraham and his headsmen were fighting. And some of us pull out of relationships that we should be in because we allow strife come from people who are not even supposed to be part of that relationship in the first place. And so what happened? Lord chose and separated. Let's go to verse 14. And the Lord said to Abraham, after, observe the word after. After Lord had separated from him, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land that you see, I'll give to you and your descendants forever. What happened? The Lord did not give this vision to Abraham as long as Lot was with him. So even though Lot was getting blessed from that relationship, Abraham wasn't getting blessed from it. But when Lot left, God gave him a vision. Now we, all, we are all Bible students. You know how Lot ended up. Lot, his headsmen, and all the things he has saved while with Abraham. He lost everything in Sodom and Gomorrah, including his wife. So at the end of the day, Lot couldn't have attributed his success in life to his hard work. It was a product of relationship. I heard this many years ago from Mark Hankins. He said, God will not teach you what he has put in people who are in relationship with you. What, I'm, what, I'm, what he was trying to say is, listen, if we are in a relationship and I have what you need, you don't expect God to now teach you from heaven. You should learn from me. And when Lot separated from Abraham, he separated himself from the source of the blessing. Is it because there are relationships, listen carefully, that God has ordained for you? And if we understand this principle very carefully, we will also be very careful about the people we get married to. We will not just get married because she has a big buttocks or because her lips is very sexy or because you like her shape. You don't want shape without the blessing on them, on their lives. Can take you back to Genesis. Why did Adam leave the garden? Eve had a conversation with Satan. He that walks with the wise will be wise, but a companion of fool will be destroyed. Eve had a conversation with Satan. Paul says Eve was beguiled in her mind. And of course, that affected Adam, because when she tasted, she came to give Adam to eat. And both of them partook, and both of them went out of the garden. So if you look at that equation, of course, you can interpret it this way, that Adam didn't take responsibility, but if you look at that equation, it was Eve having a conversation, having a meal, serving the love of his life, taking the love of his life out of the garden. We can again run through Abraham. God gives them a word. 
You're going to have a child. It's going to be the father of many nations. Give him all this prophetic word. Sarah shows up and say, well, why don't you go into my maid, Hagar? And the man took the suggestion. Bam, Ishmael comes out. Look at that again. God gives a word. The woman comes with a fantastic suggestion out of the will of God, a good suggestion, but not a God suggestion. Abraham acts on it. He gives birth to Ishmael, gives birth to the Islamic race. So you want to ask yourself, when your friends give you suggestions, are they careful enough to find out, is this the will of God for this person? Because your friends can advise you out of the will of God. Right. Let me give you an example from the life of Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to die. And Peter calls him aside and said, you know... I know you talk about a lot of things, the kingdom, future, healing the sick, and all those stuff. Just stay around those topics. This issue of death and cross, I'm not too comfortable with it. <laughs> and what did Jesus say? What did Jesus say to Peter? You don't remember? What did Jesus say to Peter? He said, get thee behind me, Satan. For you do not appreciate the things of God, but the things of men. You know, some good advice can take you out of your destiny. Because people are so emotional and they care about you so much that they don't want you to fulfill God's will. So, so, so your associations, you have to be in associations where if I want to advise you, I am careful to say, listen... Is this the will of God for this person? I'm not just advising you because I care for you in that sense. Because that care is what made Adam Eve to feed Adam and fed him out of the garden. That care is what made Abraham to have Ishmael. Now, we're using women. It doesn't just mean that women are the only ones who give bad advice. So let me give you a scripture. <laughs> Absalom. You know, Absalom was advised on how to feed the kingdom from his father by Ahithophel and David had to pray say God turn the counsel of Ahithophel to foolishness and Absalom died because he heeded that advice Amnon and Tamar his friends was the one who advised him on how to stylishly rape his sister your friends have more power over you than you think because no suggestion will leave you the same the enemy will latch onto that word and make you think about it. Are you following what I'm saying? So you want to have people around you who have the fear of God, who will not suggest anything that is not in line with divine purpose. Praise the name of the Lord. Is this getting interesting? Awesome. Jonah chapter 1 verse 5. It's been long I read Jonah's story. Ah, I read it to you and I was laughing. You need to read it before you sleep. Just four chapters. Interesting man. Guy was running away from God with all his might. And the little transport fare he had that he should have gone to, he, he says he went the opposite direction. (laughs) 
you know, it's amazing how sometimes we think that we are very wise. When it comes to God, you know, some believers think they are so wise. This is a prophet of God sent to preach. Right? I was reading this today and I found it interesting. A prophet of God sent to preach. Then the Bible says he paid his fare and went down into Tarshish to go from the presence of the Lord. Do you understand? Like a man pays transport. I say, where are you going? Say Tarshish. Okay, let's go to Tarshish. I'm going to go away from the presence of the Lord. Now, that is a prophet of God who was actually sent to preach. He didn't know enough. Do you know, you know, sometimes in disobedience you can behave very foolish that a man pays his transport fare and say, cross me to the other side. I want to go to Port Harcourt, out of the presence of God. He paid his fare. So the man had money. Verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to break. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone into the lowest part of the ship, had laid down, and was fast asleep. You see, sometimes how people in disobedience can be comfortable in trouble. Guys were throwing their things away, losing stuff. And the man was just sleeping. So the captain came to him and said, what do you mean, sleeper? <laughs> I laughed when I heard this. He said, what do you mean, sleeper? <laughs> Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we might not perish. And he said one to another, come let us cast Lord that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. Now listen to their perception. They said, let us know who brought this upon us. That means they knew that that situation they were in was caused by someone. They didn't just say, you know, it's just wind, it's July, you know, it's September. No, 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 no. They said, this loss cannot be normal. This loss is a product of disobedience. So they casted lots. So they casted lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? <laughs> so he said, I'm a Hebrew. Look at this prophet. Oh. And I fear the Lord. Ah, and you were running away. <laughs> the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. If you knew God made the sea and the dry land, where were you running to? <laughs> you, see how, you see how hypocrisy is very easy when you understand the Christian language? Read the story, you'll, you'll like it. The men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? Because they now know that he was the product of the raging storm. For the sea was growing more tempestuous, And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. So you see that sometimes things don't just happen. But this is where I want to go. This is where I'm going with this conversation. These mariners lost everything they went to the market for. 
because they accepted one disobedient Jonah into his ship, into their ship. Are you seeing where I'm going? When people persistently disobey God and you have them within the zone of your life, that disobedience can rub off on you. Because when people start disobeying God, they open the door for the enemy. And the enemy, you see, the scripture says, do not give him any foothold. What's a foothold? Just somewhere little where he can keep his feet. And if people constantly live in disobedience, their disobedience can rub off on you. Just as their blessing can rub off on you, so sometimes the effect of their disobedience can rub off on you. I mean, I've never seen this story from this perspective. I was, really, I was thinking about it. Like, yeah, it can actually happen. Because if we associate with wise people and their blessing comes upon us, it will also be the same thing if we associate with people who are not doing right and whatever they experience it can come upon us. Because every relationship will transmit a different dimension of grace. So these guys just got Jonah in. And lost their goods, lost everything. Just lost everything because of one Jonah. And by the time they threw him into the sea, the sea was calm, but their goods were gone. And the funny thing is that the people in disobedience will sleep in disobedience. You will be the one like, oh God, why is this happening? You will be the one doing all the all night, and they are just continuing disobedience with calmness of mind. I mean, as I was doing this study, I told myself, oof, associations for me are going to be critical. Hey, like more critical than ever before. Because you don't even have life. I mean, the little things God has given to you, you don't want to get into associations where you start losing them. Because we've opened the door for the enemy to come in because people are living in disobedience to God. And we are accommodating them. Mark chapter 5. Last scripture. Are you learning something this evening? Say amen if you are. All right. So, but this is not to go about suspecting people, right? Like, ah, I didn't say yesterday. I think you are Jonah. No, that's, please don't do that. That's not what I'm teaching you, okay? Just follow the spirit. <laughs> or don't go and pray and say, oh God, every Jonah in my life, I throw them into the water. <laughs> but if we open ourselves to the Lord, the Lord will will lead us on our relationships. Amen. Mark chapter 5, verse 40. You know, this was when Jesus came to, to raise the dead. Verse 39, quickly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Verse 40. And they ridiculed him. They ridiculed him. They laughed at him. What do you mean the child is Ah, The child is dead. They laughed at him. laughed at Jesus. But when he had put them all outside, everybody say, put them all outside. I mean, you think Jesus will never do this, right? Like Jesus wants to perform a miracle and people were laughing at him. In your mind, what do you think Jesus would do? Like, oh, you people are laughing. Just watch. Okay, watch, watch. No, no. Jesus knew he needed to create a faith zone for that miracle to happen. So he sent all the mockers outside. There are certain miracles you never experience in your life if you keep putting people in your life who mock the supernatural. 
In fact, <laughs> I heard this from, from a minister. They were talking about something. I don't want to go into details. But they were talking about another minister buying something and owning something. And then the, while they were discussing it, one of the ministers took a, like, some, some dollars and sold into the other minister and said, well, I'm sowing this towards what we're talking about. It's a big project. And then the other minister just laughed. You know, he received it and laughed. And Brother Copeland rebuked him seriously. I said, you know what? You never laugh in this kind of situation. And I read the scripture. We never ridicule a moment of faith and expectancy. Like, there are people in your life right now, you're like, next year, we're going to go 10 times greater than we are. <laughs> Rice is now 25,000. <laughs> and, and, and you think it's just okay, but what they have just done is they've put plugs to your faith. I don't know why we keep accommodating associations of unbelief. I don't know why we're so emotionally attached to people who are not in faith, but we can't pull out, and yet we want the supernatural. You know, sometimes we think we're supermen. It, don't worry, it won't affect me. You keep hearing the bad news and 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 hearing the bad news. And don't worry, don't worry. Don't, one day you will worry. Praise God. Are you, are you hearing this? Right, come on, are you following what I'm telling you tonight? The people who ridicule the supernatural put them out of your life and don't make excuse for it. Because you know what? A nation can be born in a day. God can give you a job in a day. God can make you get married in a day. God can cause that contract to come in a day. People who talk only about impossibilities, shut them out of your life if you want to experience the supernatural. People who always talk about, you know, this can happen until you know someone. Push them away. Who else should you know in life to move forward when you already know God? You know, in our mind, we're still like, eh, God is there, but he's very far. You really need to know somebody in the real life, the real life, the real Nigeria. <laughs> yeah, people keep talking like that. You know what they're going to do? They're going to bring down your faith until you become corrupt. Until you think it's normal to bribe. Until you think it's normal to sleep around to get things done. Look at this. Jesus put them aside. He took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Praise God. Do you realize why he took only these people? You know that even if a pastor wants to pray for a child that is dead, the one person who will have faith there that this child will come up is the parents because they want the child out. Are you following what I'm saying? You know, because when a child is dead, some people are already uh, measuring the child to, to like, like, ah, this child is, is six centimeters. Okay, maybe like four shovels will bury him. You know, people are already planning that. And then you now come and say the child is sleeping. They're like, ah, no, they have dug the grave now. 
Your people are already, people are already consoling. God take it, God give it. Quoting scriptures out of context. People are saying, don't worry. After nine months, another one will come. That's what happened to Job. You know, people are already putting in your mind that this situation, there's no hope. But if you want a miracle, you need to only have faith people around your life. Doubters would release an atmosphere of the impossible. And that's why when Jesus also went to Nazareth, the Bible says he could not perform many miracles except he lay hands on a few sick people. So I want to tell you this. What you get next year is not a product of what God wants you to have. It's a product of the associations you have around you going into the year. If you have doubters and scorners and disobedient people around your life, the troubles that will come, they are your responsibility. The lack of miracles that you experience in your life is your fault. God is not holding anything back from you. God is not trying to destroy your life. God is a good God. He wants to bless you. He wants to increase you. He wants to prosper you. You have to make the decisions that you will build the right atmosphere for the miraculous to take place. Praise God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. And Lord, we open ourselves to you tonight and we ask for wisdom and direction regarding our relationships and our associations. And we pray, Father God, that you would uh, instruct us on the relationships to strengthen, relationships to pull a plug on. And Father God, we just receive wisdom and courage to act on your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.